This morning, um, we're going to give attention to the first phrase uh, of the Lord's Prayer, and I want to direct us to Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 9 as we begin this morning. That's going to be up on the screen. You can turn in your Bibles to that as well. But uh, Jesus says this, and when you pray, everybody say when, not if, not someday, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. They're not getting anything from the Lord. But when you pray, again, when, everybody say when, go into your room and shut the door. Just get away. Get by yourself. But actually, you're not by yourself because you're praying to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. He goes on to say, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Let's pray together. Our Father, we take a moment and we give you the first word this morning. We take a moment and we awaken ourselves once again to who you are and to your presence with us. Lord, regardless of what we're carrying in this morning, uh, frustrations, anxieties, fears, concerns, maybe even crippling discouragement for some of us. Would you be Lord of it all this morning? Father, would you be the one that has the first and the last word over our situation? And this morning we're asking, Father, that you would be, by your Holy Spirit, our great teacher. Um, We recognize that we can so often just glaze past scripture and glaze past truths and run so quickly in life to where we just, we miss being taught by you. But in this place, in this space, this morning, here together, we ask that you would be our great teacher. That as we settle in and as we sit with you, And as we sit under the sacred scriptures, we ask that you would teach us. And Lord, these words, these ideas that I'm about to share, I pray that they would be ordered by you. Father, would you speak through it? Uh, Would you teach us? Would you guide us, Holy Spirit, into all truth as Jesus, you promised the Holy Spirit would do? And uh, would you nudge us, lead us, provoke us, challenge us? Equip us and encourage us this morning according to your word. And we give all the glory and the honor and the power and the praise to you. And we pray these things in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And everybody said, amen, amen. The beginning of something is very, very important. 
the start of something uh, is, is something that's really critical in the process, when you're sitting with maybe a, a potential employer for your first interview, it's very important at the start of that relationship to get off on the right foot. I made the mistake. My first job in high school ever, uh, I rolled into the interview with like tan pants and flip-flops and like a t-shirt, Abercrombie shirt, that, that probably had something implicitly inappropriate on it. I don't even know. Um, and I started off on the wrong foot. Don't get off on the wrong foot. The beginning is important. When you're standing, those of you who are married, you, you know uh, full well when I say this, when you're standing at the altar with that person and you're sharing your vows, what you say at the beginning of that marriage is very, very important. Because you can say, well, you know, I vow to like love you and stuff. Uh, or, you know, maybe... I'll do this, and maybe I'll sacrifice, and uh, it can be this weird thing. Or you can say, I commit myself in sickness and in health till death do us part. And here's where, like, the psalmist in you comes out. Baby girl, you know, you're like the, the flock of goats descending, uh, you know, on the hills of Gilead and all that stuff. Song of Solomon, you know what I'm saying? And you can be smooth, and the marriage just gets off on the right foot when you nail those vows. Uh, or when you're sitting in front of a screen and the words come up on the screen long, long ago in a galaxy far, far away. Those are important introductory phrases. The beginning of something is very, very important. And in Luke chapter 11, we see that the disciples come to Jesus and one disciple in particular pleads with Jesus and says, Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus goes on to teach them the Lord's Prayer that we talked about last week and we will look at in the weeks to come. And he begins the Lord's Prayer by saying what? What's the first phrase? Our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven. And then he goes on to state the rest of the Lord's Prayer, prescribing a prayer, both that we should pray uh, specifically and that we should model our prayer life after. But then also... In Matthew chapter 6, we see this prayer again, and we see Jesus teaching uh, disciples and followers of him to pray this prayer in an entirely different, in entirely, excuse me, different context, which we then are led to believe that Jesus uh, sought to teach his disciples on a number of different occasions in a number of different contexts to pray this prayer. It's not just exclusive to the disciples' requests. Um, but we see here in Matthew chapter 6 that we just read Jesus prescribing this prayer in a completely different context than in Luke chapter 18. Because in this context, uh, it's the Sermon on the Mount, right? For, for all of us who, who uh, know that term and who have read Matthew 5 through 7, this passage of kingdom life, kingdom virtues, uh, traits and principles that the people of God under the new covenant in, in the kingdom ought to live by. And in this discourse on prayer in particular, smack dab in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, he gives us the Lord's Prayer. And he says, when you pray, pray like this. But before doing that, he gives two different categories of people 
that are guilty of specific sins in prayer. And the first is the, the Pharisaical hypocrite who just stands up and kind of just on the street corner is praying for show, right? He, he's praying these long, eloquent prayers in order to receive recognition from other people, the Jews who used prayer as a means of getting uh, personal recognition, This is kind of a perennial struggle and temptation for all of us to use uh, the the things of the Spirit as a means to our own end, a means to our gain, be it public recognition, be it uh, our own agenda, whatever. But there's this temptation that Jesus alludes to of people using that which is Spirit to gain something for themselves. But he he, uh, brings up a second category of people, and that is the Gentiles, uh, the Gentiles, the kind of the godless people who are outside of the family of uh, the Jews who don't know God. And Jesus says that these people are the people who pray these long prayers and these big words and, and similar to the eloquence of the Jews. They're praying these long prayers, not assuming that God hears them, but praying them so that they can be heard by some deity in the sky. And Jesus says, don't be like the hypocrite, the pharisaical Jew who just gets up there and uses it for his own personal gain. And at the same time, don't be like the Gentile who just heaps up these phrases and these words and thinks that his long prayers are going to call down this deity from heaven and get attention uh, from this God up in the sky who is distant from your situation. Uh, Have you ever prayed like a Gentile before? Uh, you know, a prayer, maybe something like this, like, God, I'm so sick of my job right now. And then you go on to give all the different reasons why God should give you a new job, and you list every single one in, in the hopes that God will, oh yeah, lend an ear and then give you some. So then you go on and you say, God, man, my coworkers are toxic, and I'm not getting paid enough, and I'm spending too much on gas, and I'm, I'm not feeling fulfillment. And we throw in even the classic Christianese phrase, the immortal phrase, it's just not life-giving, God. Give me another job, and we bullet point, boom, 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 and we're throwing up all of these different ideas and phrases, hoping that this God will hear us. I know you've never been there. I'm just going to you know, stand up and say, I've been there. I'm not currently there with this job, I need to say, but in jobs in the past, I've been there. Um, we can be like the Gentiles sometimes. God, come on. Up there, somewhere, would you hear my prayer? Come, 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 come. And we use words, 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 hoping that this distant God will hear us and be attentive to us. Jesus makes it clear that we don't have to do this, nor should we pray to receive public recognition because we're not praying to a God who is distant. And we're not praying to a God who we have to heap up these big words, these, these many, this cornucopia of words in order for him to hear us. But instead, we pray to a God um, who is Father. We're dealing with one who is in familial relationship with us. We're dealing with a God who loves us. We're dealing with a God who is already intimate with us and already knows what we need before we even ask Jesus makes it clear we're dealing with a God that, as Psalm 86.15 says, that he is gracious and compassionate. 
He's slow to anger and he's abounding in steadfast love. This God who is intimate, this God who is close, this God who is father. And this really, uh, as we look at the life and the ministry of Jesus, this was a crucial theme in his ministry. Uh, because, you know, in a, in a very seldomly used uh, idea and phrase like father to the ancient Jew, uh, we look at the New Testament and then the Gospels in particular, and we see that this word father is used by Jesus over 65 times in the Synoptic Gospels, which is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, or Matthew, Mark, and Luke, excuse me. And then in the Gospel of John, we see this word over a hundred different times. Father, father, father. This profound, earth-shattering word that profoundly informs the relationship and the proximity that we now can have to God. Jesus, his ministry and his life was primarily about two different things. One, reconciling humanity to the Father, and two, awakening humanity to their sonship in the Father. And his life and ministry, when we pay attention to it in the Gospels, we, we constantly see our Father who's in heaven. You don't have a Father who doesn't know your needs, but uh, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you. And he's saying, Father this, Father that. And he's constantly beckoning the people of God to reawaken, or to awaken maybe at, at, at first to this reality that, that God is Father, and it's a familiar idea, and it's a foundational truth, but it was the idea that Jesus spent so much of his time, life and ministry, exhaustively trying to grill into humanity that God is Father. And so in the ministry of Jesus and his teaching on prayer in particular, we see this crucial and this central reality, excuse me, that the omnipotent God of the heavens has made himself available to his people as Father. The God who is in heaven and the God who is holy other and the God who is beyond time and space, that omnipotent God has made himself known and has made himself available as father. And so we see Jesus coming and we see his work of redemption and reconciliation, bringing the human race back into relationship with the father and beckoning the people of God, beckoning all creation to live in the sonship under their father God. And this was much of the message of Jesus. We now have access to the father. We now have this familial bond with this omnipotent God who once uh, was known as a God of distance, but now is a God of proximity and a God of closeness. Uh, and now we can have this covenantal relationship with this God who is father, 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 our Father who art in heaven. Uh, and so this, this vital foundation uh, of our Father is that which is, uh, the Lord's prayer is built upon, and upon which really the rest of our prayer lives are built upon, this idea of our Father who art in heaven. And it's this address and this title that really sets the proper context for that which will be prayed uh, in the future. And that which, the succeeding prayers that will flow uh, beyond the address. And not only is it the context in which lays the table for the rest of the prayer, but it's also the, the permission and the identity in which uh, the people of God can feel that they can appropriately go to this omnipotent God. Uh, I'll use an example here. Couples. 
uh, have nicknames for each other. Uh, especially when you're married and you kind of just settle into your ways a little bit and you get to know this person a little bit more. Each couple kind of has their lingo with each other. Uh, We see some people, the honey couple. Hey, honey. Uh, Maybe the old school sugar or or, or pumpkin. Not not pumpkin, but pumpkin, right? Pumpkin. Uh, JC and I are babe people. We call each other babe. All right, I'll take it. We call each other babe. It's babe. Hey, babe. How are you, babe? Babe, babe, wait, babe, hey. And it's babe and babe. And sometimes, you know, I throw in my love occasionally if I really want to feel deep and eloquent and especially poetic that morning. But we're, we're babe people. We're a babe couple. And so when I go to JC and, and I need to talk to her about something, maybe something's on my heart and I really want to communicate something Uh, deep to her. I have a myriad of different words that I can use to describe her and to call upon her and to address her. Uh, One of which, uh, God willing, I would never do. Uh, I could call her something very, very general like woman. (laughs) Woman. Female species. Um otherworldly creature, I need to talk to you about something. And I would immediately get a smack in the face. Uh, and she'd say, what the, what the heck are you doing? Why, why are you, woman? Are you kidding me? I can be very, very general and distant in the way that I address JC. Or I can say, babe, a term of familiarity, a term of love, a term of endearment. I could say, my love which sets the context in which the seceding ideas or phrases or words uh, will then be built upon. And not only does it set the context, but it also uh, gives me and communicates the, the proximity in which JC and I live. It's not one of distance. It's not one woman, you, uh, that I haven't figured out yet, and I probably never will because you are otherworldly in your species. Um, you, let's talk. No, it's, it's babe, familiarity, my love, my dear. You see, the address is important. The beginning of a conversation is important because it sets the context and it, 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 it sets the proximity in which we have that relationship. But even more profound and more important than that, um, we see that, that the central reality is at work as we use this address of our Father, because it's really the same thing. We can, we can pray, uh, and, and you know, it, it's all about the heart, so I'm not going to say the, the, word, the, the general word God doesn't carry with it some sort of intimacy, but just by and large, that word God, scholars have pointed out that it's kind of just general, just God, this deity, this thing, this otherworldly being that we're addressing. But when we say Father, that's something different, isn't it? When we say Father, there's that context of familial bond. When we say Father, there's the table of intimacy that's before us. And so address is important, and we see even more that uh, as we pray to this God that is Father, praying to God as Father uh, really awakens us to kingdom life and this paternal love that's available to us as the people of God. So it sets the context, and it 
communicates proximity, but it also, in our relationship with the Lord, it kind of reawakens us to this kingdom life that the Lord has given and has opened up to us. And it reawakens us to this familial, this, this uh, paternal life and love that we are now a part of. Oh, Father, Father. To use the same example, um, JC, I can so often, and as can all of us, we can so often just throw out words and assume that they've really gotten in us and just kind of gloss over them. Hey, babe, how are you? Hey, my love. Hey, okay. And, and I can just flippantly use these words, but when I actually stop and when I think about the meaning and the profundity of the words that I'm using, my love Oh, my soul is awakened again. Wait, this is my love. This is the person I've, I've chosen to spend the entirety of my life with. This is the person I committed to yoke myself to uh, for every waking minute of every day of the rest of my existence. This is my love, my covenantal bond. Well, it's the same with our father. We can just gloss over these words, our father. Okay, yeah, father, got it, check. Okay, yeah, theologically, awesome, I get it. I'm a son, I'm a daughter, great. But when we stop and when we say, my father, our father, there's a a reawakening of soul that can happen there. There's a reorientation. There's there's an alignment uh, and and, and this this, this, um, profound awakening to this reality. Oh, wait a minute. I'm not dealing with some God that is distant. I am dealing with a God who has made himself available to me and walks with me and has made himself known as father, Father, and it's this reawakening of this kingdom life that God invites us into in this familial and paternal love that uh, is on the table for us. And so in our relationship with the Lord, you know, I'll, I'll kind of describe how this plays out. We can go to the Lord and we can be just ridden with insecurity and we can be ridden with feelings of inferiority. And we can have our heads so in the sand with our busyness and we feel like we are what we do and every bit of identity and, and, and satisfaction comes from what we do. But when we come back to the Lord and when we meaningfully say the words, Father, and we don't gloss past it, we don't just move past it really quick, but we stop and we say, Father, and we let that simmer and we let that set we just sit in it, and it becomes real for us. We realize, oh, wait a minute. This inferiority, this insignificance, this insecurity I'm feeling is swallowed up in unconditional love and enoughness. I'm dealing with a father who says that I'm enough. Maybe uh, when we come to him broken and we say, oh, man, I'm, just, I'm, I'm tired, I'm discouraged, I'm sorrowful, the bottom has fallen out of this relationship in my life, or this thing hit the fan, uh, we come to God and we can say, Father. And it's the God who comforts. And it's the God who walks with us. And it's the God who is Father and extends his familial love and intimacy and connection to us, this reawakening uh, aspect of the Father and his parenthood. Um, And so this phrase, our Father in heaven, is so important and it's crucial. The beginning of everything is important. And Jesus, the great master teacher, knew this full well. Because when he says, our Father in heaven, 
He's saying, wait a minute, there's reawakening here. Reawaken. This God, this omnipotent God has made himself available. And you can now walk hand in hand with this God who has made himself accessible and is not distant. And so you ought not praise the Gentiles do, just throwing out phrases and, oh, God, hear me, hear me, hear me. But instead, you can come to God as Father. Reawaken to the reality of your sonship and your Father who is in heaven. And I think some of us may feel like we need that this morning. Um, I think some of us so often, and I have a hunch this morning, that some of us may feel like our prayer life has really grown cold. And maybe there's been a cooling of soul that's happened in our relationship with the Lord. Or maybe in our preoccupation, in our busyness, in our sorrow in life sometimes, in this swell of life, uh, I think sometimes, uh, and maybe this is prevalent this morning, but we lose the warmth and that tenderness and, and that, that affection for the Father. Um, we just di- get disoriented, and we can uh, think that, you know, okay, I'm feeling this way, and okay, okay I'm feeling disconnected from the Lord, so I got to start doing again. I got I to start getting back into the spiritual disciplines, and I got to start praying more, and I got to start reading my Bible more, and I got to start being more consistent in church, and okay, yeah, I guess I'll give myself to tithing, and I guess I'll give myself to fat. I just need to do, 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 do more. But could it be that we need to reawaken our souls to the reality that God is Father before we do anything else? Have we gotten in the weeds of life? And have we gotten lost in whatever our soul and situation says right now, that we've drifted from this reality that there is a familial connection, that there is covenantal bond, that there is paternal love on the table for us, And that we live, uh, really, whether we recognize it or not, the reality stands. We live under this canopy of covenants, as the psalmist kind of articulates implicitly. That we live under this, this canopy of covenant with our Father, who is in heaven, who has made himself accessible to us. So regardless of what soul or situation or life looks like, We are in this covenantal bond with the Lord, and so we can come to the Lord, and we can pray the words, Our Father, and we reawaken. I'm under this canopy, this safety of the Father's love for me. Could it be that maybe the, the funk in our relationship with the Lord that we sometimes feel can be remedied by a simple address, Our Father, coming back to that foundational, and yes, familiar, I get that, But this foundational and this profound truth that Jesus was all about, sonship, daughtership, the Father being accessible to us, the one who understands us, the one who has unending compassion for us, the one who knows what we need uh, before we even ask him. And again, I know it's a familiar truth, but it's something we never graduate from. It's something that Jesus was constantly 65 times in the synoptics, 100 times in John, Father, Father, Father awakening humanity to their sonship, reconciling us to the Father. And so this morning, you know, if you feel like you got some funk festering in your relationship with the Lord, if you feel like you kind of hit the wall and you're trying to figure out how now shall I live, um, and you're trying to get your bearings a little bit, okay, do I need more Bible? Okay, maybe. Do I need more spiritual disciplines? Maybe. For some of you, probably. Probably. 
But could it be that you first ought to stop and begin addressing your Lord as Father again? And not just our Father in heaven. Okay, cool. Give me what I need. But instead, sit with that. Father. Our Father. My Father. This one who is close. This one who has made himself available to me. This one who does not have... Uh, hatred for me, and that is not saying do more before I accept you. This God that's not uh, looking to, to, you know, punish me every time I stumble, but this God who is Father, this God who has uninhibited and unbroken intimacy for us on the table, this Father who's in heaven. So if that's you, um, I want to encourage you, reawaken your soul again. Stir your soul again to this reality that God is Father, as simple as it sounds, but Jesus was all about it. This omnipotent God has made himself available and accessible to us. And when we come and when we pray this introductory phrase, as simple as it is, our Father who art in heaven, our soul reawakens and when we mean it, and when we, we say it in faith, and when we pray it from the, the depths of our very soul, my Father, there's orientation of soul and situation there. So let's just quiet ourselves for a second. I understand that this was a very foundational idea. Um, but I think I just, I had this hunch that some of us needed it this morning. Some of us have drifted. Some of our souls have cooled. Some of us, we feel like our heads are so in the sand and busy and tunnel visioned into what life has to offer. Maybe you are so anxiety ridden because of school, or maybe you are devastated at the loss of a relationship, or maybe you're stressed as all get out because of the money in your bank account. Maybe you're frustrated with the lack of traction you feel like you're getting in an area of life. And with that, we can lose, we can drift, we can lose the wonder and the warmth and the tenderness. So reawaken your souls again to the Father and his love and his tenderness and his compassion for you. Father, here we are. And we don't say that lightly. We don't use that address lightly. But let us take on the weight once again. Our Father who's in heaven. Our Father who loves us. Our Father who has intimacy for us. Our Father that has satisfaction and identity and purpose and fulfillment. Everything we need. Our Father who is in heaven, who is omnipotent, who is great, who is holy, other in nature but God who is Father, who is close, who has made himself available, would you make yourself available once again to us this morning? Would you reawaken our souls to new warmth? God, would you reawaken the eyes of our hearts to see you clearly? Let us see you as the God, not that we throw out all these long, eloquent prayers hoping that you hear us, but as the God who already knows exactly what we need before we even open our mouths. You are Father. Enlighten the eyes of our hearts to see that again, Lord. We thank you for your truth, Jesus. We thank you for the Lord's Prayer. We thank you for this um, model of prayer that you've laid out for us. 
And God, I pray that as we discuss what we've heard and maybe what wasn't even said, but what we feel like your Holy Spirit's doing in us and working on our hearts this morning through this, we ask that as we process this with each other, that you'd be pleased and you'd be glorified and you'd make this concrete in our hearts. And we commit all we are in this time of discussion to you. In Christ's name, amen. Amen and amen. All right, guys. Um, bless you guys as you discuss. Enjoy it. Use this as a template, um, not as a have to, but uh, enjoy the time of discussion with your table. Much love, everybody. All right. Go ahead and book in those conversations and those discussions. And let's stand to our feet. I got nothing else. I don't know if you guys were waiting for something, but no, that's it. Uh, Why say more when we can pray the words that the Lord taught us to pray? Uh, So we got it up on the screen. Sins, people, sins. I'm going to keep saying it. You can say trespasses if you want. But let's pray this together uh, and, and really stop and simmer on these words. Pray them meaningfully. Pray them faithfully. Um, let's pray this together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen and amen and amen.